It's my great privilege to introduce to you tonight's speaker. We've known each other for a long time, served with each other in Maui for quite a number of years. And uh, he's our good friend of this house, and he's a good friend of mine, my family's. I want to introduce to you Pastor Josh Morocco. Praise God. Are you guys ready to get into the Word tonight? Oh, man. How many of you guys were encouraged this morning? Anybody in here, you're going to build and fight? Come on. We're going to carry swords and hammers. Hey, God's got a destiny and a plan for this church. God's got an amazing call for the families of this house. And, you know, I, I really believe that tonight, this weekend, I'll say this, this weekend, there's an anointing in this house. Michael and I were talking this afternoon about, you know, I'm convinced that this is a turning point for this church. This is a turning point for the families in this church. You're never going to be the same ever again. And it's not, listen, it's not because I'm here. It's because you're here. It's because God wants to do something. There's a synergy, there's a momentum that's coming to this church that's beyond anything you can even fathom. Now, I want somebody to hear this because when the church is blessed, your house is blessed. When the church is blessed, it begins to do a work. When, when there's things happening within the church, your family starts changing in a good way. Blessings start pouring out in your life like never before. So I want to encourage you. There's something happening. And tonight I've got a, I've got a very quick message for you. But I want to introduce you to someone. I, I wanted a friend of mine to come. He's been an evangelist, places like India. And God's used him mightily there. Uh, pray for a minister to thousands of people. He's seen people healed. Uh, incredible healings. And God brought him to our church there in Oahu. And he's a very dear friend of mine. And I'm just excited to be able to have him come and, and be with me on this trip. He's very gracious to come with me. But I wanted him to just come and encourage you. I feel like God put something in his heart real briefly. He's just going to come and encourage you. We get up for Michael Hughes as he comes. Well, aloha. aloha. It is my super awesome privilege to be here in KC, Alaska. This is my first time in Alaska and and Pastor Josh said it was an honor to have me, but it's an honor to be with him. It's an honor to be with the KC family. And I am so privileged. I walked in the church today, and the presence of God was so amazing. It was so ripe, and I, I truly believe this. And I've, I've had the awesome privilege of being able to go around the world and to see the move of God, the miracle working power of Jesus Christ in nations like India, and see thousands of people give their lives to Jesus. And there's a move of God happening in those places, but sometimes it takes someone that just walked in the doors to say, hey, there's a move of God happening right here and right now. And when I came, when I met Pastor Josh and I started going to KC Oahu, I walked in and I began to see something that I didn't see before. People pray, oh God, give us a revival. Give us, some people shout, some people do that. I, I love that. I promise I'm not going to do that. But so many people, they, they live in two places. In the past, oh, look at what God did in the church. Look at what God did in our family. Look at how God poured out his miracle. Isn't that phenomenal? And some people live in the future. God, it's going to do amazing things, which is phenomenal. You need to have a vision. 
But I really believe in this, is that God is doing something in this house now. He's pouring out His Spirit. And, and, and when I was on the airplane coming here and we were talking, this one thing was on my heart. Is yes, the fire of God, the passion, the purity, the character of God has been falling in the King's Chapel and the, and the Casey family all around the world. It's fallen. And it's going to fall. The one, two, three vision, I had the opportunity to go to Maui on our way here and just sit in the church for about 20 minutes. And the Holy Spirit of God put on my heart and the one, two, three banners in the KC sanctuary. And I looked at it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, look at that. That's already done. And if you're sitting here and you're like, what does that mean? Like all these people want to have all these churches. They want to do all these things and they want to, and they want to have all these people. No, the only reason why we want to do this is because we want to see people's lives healed, changed, delivered, set free. We want to see nations saved. And I, and I just want to encourage you in this. Is that we are in the midst of the greatest move of God you have ever seen up till this time. And we need to come to church with that expectation. We need to come walking in this door saying God is doing something now in my life. Because, and you go, how does that benefit me? I don't know if you do that. I do that sometimes. I try not to. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But it's this. Acts chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. When there is a pouring out, there's something that needs to get filled up. And there's a pouring out happening from this stage. There's a pouring out happening from the 128 churches around the world. And when that pouring out happens, guess who's going to get filled? Guess whose family is going to get filled? Guess whose children are going to get saved? Guess whose schools are going to get delivered? It's you. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm going to calm down. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. But it's this. There's a move of God. And I just want to encourage you with this. That tonight, the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit, He that began a good work in your life, He that began a good work in this church, is going to complete it. You're not going to have room to contain the miracle working power of Jesus. I'm speaking this into your life in the name of Jesus. Just lift your hands up right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I speak right now in the name of Jesus that our lives would never be the same I, I pray in the name of Jesus that our expectation would begin to overflow I thank you for a great infilling for a great outpouring and I thank you that faith would rise up on the inside of us that your fire will come out from the inside of us and that we will see lives change we will see nations transform we will see the state of Alaska transformed in your glory Jesus in your power we will see the this generation and the next generation filled with your move of God. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. And we praise you and we worship you. And the people of God shout, Amen. 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 It's, it's, an, it's awesome being here. I thank you for the privilege of having me. I thank Pastor Josh for having me. May Jesus bless you. Aloha. Praise God. You know, one of the things that encouraged me was that uh, when we walked in here, you know, I've, I've been here so many times, I've been coming here for nine years. And so this is home, this is my second home. And, uh, but it's great having uh, someone that's experienced this place for the very first time as he walks, he goes, wow, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like we're in NKC in Oahu. It's just the weather is different. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And this, this, is, this is one family. We're not just one church in many locations. We're one family. And God's doing an amazing work. And tonight, turn with me in your Bibles 
I'm going to do something. Many of you were in the prayer time on Saturday morning, and I don't mean to do this. I, I kind of gave you the concise version on Saturday morning, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to go here tonight. And turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, and there was just way too much confirmation of what the Lord was doing. There was a message that was on my heart to preach, and I was wrestling between these two messages. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to preach? I want to preach this one, and I need to preach that one, and I feel them. I don't know which one to do. And guess what? I couldn't find the other one. Nowhere. Like, well, Lord, what is this all about? And uh, I just felt like the Lord said, son, this is the one. And then uh, just confirmation after confirmation. So I believe this word is for you. I believe God is setting you up tonight for victory. How many of you guys know you came here tonight and God wants to do a new thing in you? He wants to deposit something in you that's going to change you forever. How many of you guys want to leave here changed forever? How many of you guys want to leave here going, man, my marriage is different. My family's different. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm going to walk into destiny. Come on. Praise God. Matthew chapter 23, starting with verse 5. Matthew 23, starting with verse 5. Are you ready? Everything that they do is done for people to see. They make their prayer boxes wide and the tassels of their garment long. They love the place of honor. Everybody say they love the place of honor. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called a rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone father, anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can we just say that together? Can you read that for me together one last time? For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Father, I pray an anointing upon this word. Lord, anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. Father, that we may be changed completely and totally. Lord, you are doing something fresh in this house. Lord, there is something so amazing that is happening. There's an excitement. There's an expectancy, Lord, that is coming in this house to see Wasilla change. Lord, that is going to extend to Anchorage. It's going to extend to different parts of this city, different parts of this state. And Lord, we thank you that this is the turning point for this church. God, as you deposit your word within us tonight to create a culture, a different culture in this house, Lord, we pray, let us embrace what you're doing tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, based upon the passage tonight, this passage in Matthew 23, the title of my message, if you're taking notes tonight, I challenge you, take notes. The title of my message tonight is Seek to Honor. Many times we we battle because we've been, our tendency or we've been trained in modern day society, even modern day Christianity, it's to seek the position of honor. And Jesus is very, very specific to say, look, it's not for you to seek the position of honor, it's for you to seek to honor people. 
If you seek to exalt yourself, if you seek to be exalted, you will what? Be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. See, I'm a firm believer in servant leadership. There's a, a concept that is, that is going around the world called servant leadership. I have the wonderful privilege to be a certified John Maxwell trainer. And we, we've been able to train people and, and mentor people within the John Maxwell process. And one thing I love about John Maxwell is he pushes servant leadership. Jesus, but, but see, he doesn't get it from his own brilliance. He gets it from the word of God. Jesus himself said, we're not like the Gentiles where we lord over people. He says the position we take as people within the body of Christ, the position we take here in the church is to serve. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be a servant of all. And so I want to push this because I want you to understand something tonight. I'm not here to just give you a cute message. I'm not here just to encourage you even though I want to encourage you. I'm here actually to deposit something into the very nature, into the very culture of this church. If we can develop and cultivate a culture in this church of honor, I'm telling you what, you will see God move like you've never seen him move before. You'll have miracles like you've never had them before. Because where honor is, where God is honored, where God is honored, he moves. You need to cultivate a culture of honor in your homes, in your marriages. In this church. Now I want to I want to preface what I'm about to say. You are an you are an, an honoring church. You honor your pastors. It is evident that you honor your pastors, and that is wonderful. The leadership here is honored. And I just I, I just want to thank you for having the right heart, for honoring your pastors. You know, I, I grew up, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, that one of the reasons why I'm in the position I am today as being a pastor, because I've seen a lot of pastor kids not serve God. Actually, as a matter of fact, I've seen a lot of pastor's kids hate the church, hate ministry, want nothing to do with it. You know why? They grew up seeing their parents dishonored. But see, I have the wonderful privilege, and I believe that one of the reasons I'm in the place that I am today, still doing ministry, loving the church, is because I saw my parents being honored by the people in the church. I'm telling you. And so, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for honoring your pastors and honoring your leaders. But tonight, I want to give you three concepts about how to create a culture of honor within the church. Number one, we have to learn how to honor God. And I'm going to give you three points on how to honor God, but I want to start off first with this story. There's a story that always confused me within Scripture. When you go to the Old Testament, you see a really wonderful story of David. And David becomes king, and one of his first acts as king is he goes to get the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let me tell you what's so unique about this. King Saul, King Saul was the king of Israel for 40 years. He was king over Israel for 40 years. Now, 20 years before Saul became king, the prophet had a moment where the Philistines, you guys remember the moment where the Philistines captured the ark? Now, that, that happened 20 years before Saul became king. 
What ends up happening is a plague comes upon the Philistines. The Philistines put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they send it back. And now where they send it back was on the borders of Israel and it rested in the house of Abinadab for close to 60 years. Now hear me, this is amazing. When you look through scripture, it rested in the house of Abinadab for 60 years. That's crazy. Now what begins to happen is through that time, Saul was king. Saul did what he did. And the Bible says that not one time did Saul inquire of the ark of the Lord. Not one time did he say, hey, you know what, guys? We should probably just check out and see how the ark's doing. We should probably maybe bring it back. I don't know. He didn't care about it. He left the ark on the outskirts of Israel. Are you with me? He positioned it his entire reign. The presence of God was in the outskirts of his kingdom. Now, what distressed me about this story is finally that moment where David became king. He goes to the house of Abinadab. And Abinadab's son, Uzzah, what he does is he left the Ark of the Covenant upon the cart which the Philistines built. Now, the problem with this is Uzzah... As the Levitical line, he was responsible for knowing what to do with the ark. It wasn't King David's responsibility. It was Uzzah's responsibility. Now, we all know the story. They grabbed the Ark of the Covenant. They had it on the cart, and they began to push the cart along. And all of a sudden, the cart moved, right? Uzzah stretched out his hand to protect the ark, and he was struck. And the Bible says that the anger of the Lord came upon Uzzah, not toward David. The anger of the Lord came upon Uzzah and struck him. And in that, fear fell upon David. So they stopped where they were at. They put it in the house of a man named Obadiah. And it rested in the house. The Bible says it rested in the house of a man named Obadiah for three months. And in those three months, the house of Obadiah increased and prospered. His flocks grew. Everything he had grew. So much so that it caught the attention of King David. Now, can I ask you this question? How in the world did the Ark of the Covenant rest in the house of Obadiah for three months and all this incredible stuff happened, but it was in the house of Abinadab for 60 years and we don't have one, one listed miracle. One recorded miracle. I'll tell you what happened. We saw it in the action of Uzzah. As Uzzah stretched out his hand, that wasn't even the real problem. The fact that he allowed the Ark of the Covenant to be transported upon a cart showed that he had disregard for the Ark of the Covenant and the person of God, who he was, and the significance of the Ark of the Covenant. There was dishonor in the house of Abinadab. You saw it by the way they handled the ark. Friends, hear me. This is a very sobering thought. And just hear me just for a moment. The way you handle the presence of God, the way you honor his presence, will determine what he does in your midst. And I've been to many churches 
that they have an understanding of the presence of God, but they dishonor the presence of God. And we've raised up a generation of oozes that have disrespect and dishonor toward the things of God, toward the presence of God. And there's no blessing, there's no outpouring, there's no multiplication, there's no growth, there's nothing. See, what we have to do is we have to come back to a place of honoring God. To get our hearts saying, Lord, I want to honor your presence. If there's anything I want, I want to honor the presence of God. Three months later, they go to Obed-Edom's house. And David, astonished by what was taking place, gets the ark. And the Bible says that they do it right. And they put the ark of the covenant on poles with people carrying it. And David leads a procession. Now, a lot of people, I truly believe that a lot of people misinterpret what was taking place in the moment with King David. Because there's a story, and the story goes like this, King David, how many of you guys have ever heard the song, and I will become even more undignified than this? You see, what we think, though, is that the idea of becoming more undignified than this is that we dance harder, kick our legs a little higher, and shout a little louder. David was not dancing simply because he was excited. I think there's a misconception on why David was dancing. It wasn't because he was excited. It was because it was the position of honor. We know that because when David, listen, are you ready for this? We know that it was beyond excitement. The reason why David stripped down to his skippies. was not because he was excited. It was because he chose a position as king to dishonor himself, to deposition himself to position God. He chose to put on his underwear and dance before the Lord because it was improper for a king to do so. He took a humble position to exalt and to glorify the position. Now hear me, the position of God as king in Israel. Now I need you to hear me. You know how we know that? I have proof. Are you ready? All of a sudden David does this and he goes up to his wife Michael who was who? Michael was Saul's daughter. And Michael's up there and the Bible says that she's looking at David and going, oh my goodness, he's making a fool. He's making a what? He's making a fool of himself. And David gets up there and he's like, did you see what's happening? And Michael's like, I can't believe you. Now you have to understand something. For 40 years, Saul's reign, not once did he inquire of the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because the entire kingdom was based upon the earthly king. And the position, are you ready for this? The position of the earthly king was made great and honored in Israel. And that's all Michael knew. She didn't know what it was to honor the Ark of the Covenant. She didn't know how important the presence of God was. She didn't understand it. She had been apart from it. And so when she saw her, her husband, who was king, making a fool of himself, dishonoring himself in order to honor God, she couldn't take it. And she rebuked him. The Bible says she rebuked him. See, friends, there are not going to be people that will understand. 
There'll be people that will not understand why we exalt God. Why at times we make a fool of ourselves to deposition ourselves so we can reposition God. Can I tell you something? There's a curse that came upon Michael. Do you know what it was? It wasn't sickness. It wasn't a disease. God took the generations from her. Why? Because she was so consumed of the generation of the king. The idea of the earthly king. That what she would raise was another earthly king. Because from her would come the next king. God stopped the curse over the generations so that the next king that could be raised up was a king that would glorify God. Hear me, hear me, please hear me. This is important. Because some of us have the same heart as Michael. We have to come to a point where we exalt God. We exalt his presence. We have to reposition God. I need you guys to hear me tonight. I love this church. I think this is one of the greatest churches in all the world. Hear me, please. I really believe it. And I hope you can get this in your spirit. There has to be a repositioning of God in this place. Your pastor is an anointed man of God. He's one of the most anointed men that I know. I love him. And he is a David. I'm telling you, that man worships undignified. He don't care what people think about him because all he wants to do is exalt God. You have that kind of pastor. But friends, don't be the Michael in the midst. What are you doing in your life to exalt the true king of kings and the true lord of lords? We have to bring. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to dance undignified. I'm not saying any of that. But in your heart, you have to reposition God. You have to put God back in a place of honor. You've got to put his presence in your life and in your home and in your house. Some of you have allowed the presence of God to remain on the outskirts of your life for far too long. It's time to bring him. Creating a culture of honor. There's three ways tonight that I want to encourage you on how we honor God. Number one, we honor God with our heart. What's so unique? We see in Matthew 15, verse 8, these people honor me with their lips. Now hear this, you ready? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Matthew 15, 8. Now, the, the Greek word for that word honor is the word timao, okay, T-I-M-A-O. Let me tell you why that word's so important. Because that word actually means to give recognition and to show proper respect. So now this is what's amazing. There is proper respect, there's proper worship going on, but it's the same situation we dealt with this morning. You can be doing all the right things, you can be saying all the right things, but your heart is not in it. You can have all the hallelujahs at the right moment, you can know all the words, you can have all the songs memorized, and you can be singing all the right words, but your heart is far from the Lord. 
You can move all the chairs in this place, and you can have a heart of servant. You, you can have an attitude and, and a position of serving, and you're there, you're there early, and you go late. And you move all the chairs, and friends, that's wonderful. But like I said this morning, if you're not careful, you can have all the right actions. But still, what you do is detestable before the Lord because you have the wrong heart in what you're doing. See, we have to be those that have to be very careful. Because the cry of the Lord is this. Not just that we give God proper lip service, but that we give Him our heart. We honor God with our heart. That area of your life, that area of their li your life that processes information and understanding, where you make decisions. The heart, the soul of a man. Is your heart serving God? Honor God with your heart. Make sure that in all the things that you do, even when you're doing all that you're doing, that your heart is right and that your heart is worshiping, that your heart is serving. Can I get an amen? The second thing that we see is not only do we honor God with our heart, but we honor God with our faith. I want you to turn with me to a very interesting passage, Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. That he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his what? How many of you guys got that? Romans 4, verse 20. He was strengthened in his faith. One more time, everybody say it loud. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. One of the things that the devil wants to attack is your faith. See, we, we know this, and I've heard your pastor preach this. There's absolutely nothing that you can accomplish, that you can receive in God without faith. Faith is required for everything in this relationship. Faith is required to receive the gift of salvation. Faith is required in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues. Faith is required in receiving healing. Faith is required in every aspect of this thing we call Christianity, this thing we call the relationship with God. Faith is required. And is there anything that the devil wants to attack or wants to diminish in your life is faith. We have to have faith. And we have to understand that we honor God with our faith. Did you know that when you go and you pray for somebody and you lay hands on someone and you begin to pray for them and declare healing upon your life, did you know you're honoring God? Come on. You're honoring God. When you, when you lead somebody in the sinner's prayer, that faith that it took, you're honoring God. When you get in your car, now, now here, I live in Hawaii, but here in Alaska, when you get in your car, and you start that thing through remote 10 minutes before you get in. Sorry, 20 minutes before you get in. Hallelujah. And you get out and you got your big old jacket on and extra, extra layers of clothes for the five minutes that you're outside. And you get in that car and you drive through the snow and the sleet and everything else. And you come to church. Whether you live one minute away or an hour away in Alaska, it's the same difference. <laughs> Did you know when you exercise your faith to come here, you're honoring God? I'm telling you. 
Friends, you staying at home and going, oh, well, it's snowing today. Snow day, don't got to go to church. That doesn't honor God. You getting in your car and coming here honors God. You serving in church honors God because you're exercising your faith. Can, can we go to another level? Are you ready for this? You guys sure? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. You guys know this one. Now, I want to just, I want to show you something that will help you. God honors faith, but we honor God with our faith. This is awesome. Now, hear this. This will bless you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your Oh, that was so weak right there. You're like, well, well, I turned it to an offering message. Now, I'm about to show you something, so just bear with me. You ready? Honor the Lord with your. And with the what? Now, that's important. The what? The what? Of all your crops. Now, the wonderful thing is that there's a blessing that I think a lot of us, you know, that's really what we focus on is, verse 10, the, the blessing that comes. And there's a blessing when we honor God. That's why God what? Honors your faith. God honors your faith. He rewards, he responds to your faith. But I want to focus on this. Because a lot of us uh, sometimes don't understand the importance of how we honor God with faith. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, I've shared this. I, I Believe it or not, I've actually shared this in this church two years ago at the prophetic conference. I remember it. And this is powerful. Some of us don't understand the principle of first fruits. We think that first fruits is you have your check and you go, okay, one belongs to God, nine belongs to me. One belongs to God, nine belongs to me. One belongs to God, nine belongs to me, and that's fine. And we go through our life, the 10%, that's all good. First fruits, the principle of first fruits, it's amazing to me. Did you know what they would do? Is they would plant a crop, and when that crop would begin to bud, the first fruits of all those crops, I'm talking about the first shoots that would come out of the ground, no matter whether it was 10%, 20%, or 40% of that field, the first fruits, the first shoots out of that ground, they get strings. And they tie strings around those shoots. Doesn't matter how many it was. Because it was an act of faith. And then once that crop would come to maturity, they would take all the shoots, all the fruit, everything that had string around it, and they'd chop it down, and they'd take it to the house of God. They did that as an act of faith to say, God, I believe that if I give my first fruits to you, you'll take care of everything else. Everything else, every other part of my field will be fruitful. You know what that is? That's an act of faith. Can I tell you that biblically Saturday or Monday is not the first day of the week? You know what the first day of the week is? Sunday. Did you know that when you come to church, I'm just letting you guys know this, that when you come to church on a Sunday morning, 
and you show up here, do you know what you're doing? It's an act of faith of the first fruits. It's a type of first fruit because you're showing up in church going, God, I believe that if I give this time to you, you're going to direct my steps. You're going to bless the rest of my week from Sunday all the way to Saturday. Come on now. Some of you got to change your perspective. You got to understand that we honor God with our faith. Number three, you honor God with your life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You guys getting anything from this tonight? Make sure you pray really, really loud. Just, just, just. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. You were bought at a price. Therefore, what does it say? Honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Now, that word honor, a very interesting word. The word honor is the word doxoza. So it's doxa, D-O-X-A, with an added Z-O. Now, let me tell you the significance because it's very important. Because the significance of that word honor or dox azo is this. It means a living sacrifice. Now, that parallels with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Right? What does Romans 12, verse 1 say? Well, let's read it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Did you know when you live holy, when you choose to live holy, when you honor God with your life, there's a blessing that comes on you. Because what happens is this, you're dedicating your life to the Lord. You're laying your life down. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives inside of me. The life I now live. In the flesh, I live unto the Son of God. We have to recognize something very important. Too many people have gotten into this hyper-grace idea, this greasy grace, that I can live however I want. I can smoke whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can drink whatever I want. I can have as much fun as whatever I want to do, I can do because there's this thing called grace. There's also this thing called honoring God with your life. I thank God for his grace. His grace is sufficient. And I'm not here to demean or diminish grace at all in this house. We are a house that rejoices and thanks God for his absolutely incredible, amazing grace. But we have to come to a point, believers, where we recognize our responsibility. You know what? We recognize our privilege to say, I have the wonderful privilege to serve God and to honor God, to please God with my life. I want that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to him. I want every thought that I have to please God. I want every action of my life to honor God. I want when people see me, when people encounter me, that my life honor God. I want to honor God with my marriage. I want to honor God as a father to my children. 
Can you imagine if the church gets passionate about honoring God? I want to honor God with my relationships. Young people, come on. You know what's so amazing, young people? Now, I'm not even here to tell you, if you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you need to break up right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm not here to say that. But can I challenge you with something? Is your relationship honoring God? Honor God with your life. See, we want to create a culture of honor in this house. How do we do that? Honor God with your heart. Honor God with your faith. Honor God with your life. Can you guys give me a few more minutes? You sure? Is that okay? Pastor Kirsten, can I take just a few more minutes? Mark chapter 6, verse 4. You know what? Just put your finger there and go to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and whom admonish you. Hold them in high, everybody say, hold them in highest regard. Everybody say it, hold it in highest regard. In love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for who? You see, because when I first read this, I was like, Make sure you always strive to do good for what's for you. Do good for you. Do good by you. I mean, are you just hoping that Paul would say that? Whatever's good for you, do it. If it makes you feel good, do it. Sorry, Paul did not exist in the 1960s. If it feels good, do it. It's called humanism. You are the center of your own universe. You know the funny thing about humanism and evolution and why I get a kick out of listening people talk about humanism and evolution is because humanistics actually believe that the process of evolution was all for them. And they talk about how evolution, this big bang, all these, all these universes, all these stars, all these planets were made because they're the center of the universe. It was all made for them. Isn't that interesting? See, we, un we have a different understanding. We're not the center of the universe, God is. And the universe, the stars, the planets were not made for us. It was made for him. We were made for him. Honor one, honor, honor one another. But friends, listen. Can I just throw this out to you? Let's start off with this. Honor your authority. Now, for those who are there Saturday morning, I said something very clear. It, it. It astonished me. I, I was so blown away by it because First Peter, I mean, I don't even understand where he has the audacity to tell us this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Peter says something crazy. So he's telling people, he says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. What? Now, I don't, if that throws you off like it did me, because let, let's stop for a moment. 
Peter says, honor the emperor. Honor who? Now, if you were reading that letter, I want you to just imagine for a moment, put yourself in that position, and you were a Christian who was being persecuted. There are Christians being put to death. And all of a sudden, you hear Peter say in a letter, honor the emperor. Do you know who the emperor was at that moment? His name was Nero. Do you know who Nero was? Nero was the guy that burned down Rome and blamed the Christians. Nero was the guy that put to death thousands of Christians. Nero was the guy that would dip Christians in oil, put them on a stake in his backyard, and burn them alive for light for his parties that he would have in his backyard. And yet Peter tells Christians to honor the emperor. Are you insane? Now, I would have to question Peter's insanity. I, I, I was just like, dude, you're insane. Forget it. But I would, I would question his sanity. Wouldn't you? Someone put a straitjacket on that dude. But, but let's stop for a moment. Wasn't Peter the one that was there when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you see this coin? What do we do with this coin? Does this coin belong to God or to Caesar? And Peter was there when, they saw, when he, he saw Jesus' response. He says, who's on that coin? Oh, Caesar's like, well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. I love John Bevere. He has this, this concept of this moment, this encounter that Jesus has with Pontius Pilate. Many of us, you've been in that, that circumstance. You've, you've read within the Gospels this moment where Jesus is in front of Pontius Pilate and he's encountering Pontius Pilate. And all of a sudden there's this moment. Are you ready for this moment? What begins to happen is Pontius Pilate looks at Jesus and says, don't you know that I have the power and the authority to kill you, to crucify you, or to set you free? And Jesus says, you had no power over me unless it was given to you by the Father. Jesus now, it wasn't that Jesus got up in Pontius Pilate's face and go, I'm the son of God. I don't think so. Did you know a lot of us use that passage to justify our rebellion? But it was the opposite. Jesus was acknowledging the fact that Pontius Pilate could have no power unless it was given to him from God. That God ordained Pontius Pilate to be in the position he was in for that moment so the will and the purposes of God could be fulfilled. We spend so much of our life justifying why we rebel against our authority. Now listen, I'm, I'm not one, I'm one to stand before you and say, look, if someone, if someone in authority, it doesn't even matter what position they're in, if they tell you to do something contrary, opposite to the word of God, this is your ultimate authority. I'll say it again, this is your ultimate authority. However, what Peter is talking about and what Christ is talking about and trying to condition us to live in is a place of honor in our hearts. Amen. To honor authority. I need to close because I've taken a lot of your time. But I want you to hear this because this is what scares me. Too often, we come into a point in our life, dishonor breeds dishonor. When you have dishonor toward one person, pretty soon you have dishonor toward another and to another and to another and to another. Did you know Peter was helping us? 
Guard your heart. Do not allow dishonor to permeate your life. Because when you have a seed of dishonor, it begins to take over. We have to keep a heart of honor toward our authority, toward our leaders. This house, I'm so proud of it. I'm telling you, there is a culture of honor to honor your pastors and your leaders and the ministers. You need to honor them. Honor those who God have, has placed for you. You know why the Bible says they give an account for you? Did you know, you know what's scary? Pastor Daniel one day is going to have to give an account for you on Judgment Day. That's why when you get to heaven, if you've been a naughty girl or a naughty boy, don't tell them you went to KC. I'm just joking. Seriously. He's going to have to give an account for you. You need to honor your pastor. Some of you have such a rebellious spirit in you. I'm talking to somebody here tonight. Hear me. I didn't come all the way from Hawaii to preach to you a nice little message for you to feel good about yourself. There are people here tonight that you're holding this church back because you have a spirit of dishonor on you and there's a seed of dishonor in your life and it is permeating your life and it is hurting you and it's hurling curses in your life and you can't understand why you can't get blessed. You don't understand why you can't get breakthrough. It's because dishonoring, dishonor is keeping you from walking in the blessing. Jesus had this revelation. A prophet is without honor in his hometown. Even Jesus, the Word made flesh, dwelling among us, God in the flesh, couldn't do miracles in his hometown because there was a lack of honor. You know why honor is important, why you need to have honor for your pastor? Now, I made sure I did this word when your pastor wasn't here. And listen to me, he's in Israel. He couldn't tell me what to preach anyways. We didn't, we didn't correspond. We didn't talk. He wasn't like, please teach him on honor. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do you know why you need to honor your pastors? Why you need to honor your leaders? Why you need to honor your cell group leader, your ministry leader, these ministers and pastors here? Is because this, you can only receive from whom you honor. If there's dishonor in your heart, man, I'm telling you, you can come to the altar a thousand times. And I've had, I've had it done. I've laid hands on somebody. And you lay hands on them, it's like you're laying hands on a brick. Because they come to the front, oh, you, you're praying for me again. Nothing. Why? Dishonor. But I've laid hands on people that have honored me and honored my position, and it was like they were sucking the power out of me. Why? Because you receive from those you have honor for. That's why you have to contend for honor in this house. You can't allow the devil to trap you in his lies. You can't allow the devil to plant seeds of offense in your life towards your pastors and ministers. Fight against it. Because all it is, is the devil trying to rob you from receiving. I was at a church. I was working at a church in Springfield, Missouri. The pastor there is a wonderful man. I love him. But we had, we had a lot of friction because he did things differently than I did. And I remember saying this. I remember sitting in a car with some people that were part of the church, and they were just spilling all their guts out to me, all the different issues, all the different problems that they had with the pastor. And we were talking back and forth, and this phrase was said, I just can't receive from him anymore. Friends, listen to me. I was guilty of having dishonor in my heart. 
I, I have been guilty of having familiarity that breed contempt in my life toward people. And I could not receive from that pasture. And let me tell you what happened. I went home for Christmas break, and the Holy Spirit challenged me. It took a miracle for me to go back, but I went back and I served under that pastor. And if it wasn't for actually, listen, if it wasn't for watching and being a part of this thing called Undercover by John Bevere that deals with godly authority, if it wasn't for that series and hearing that, friends, I would have, I would have missed out on the greatest blessing. You know what happened for me? I was held back because of the dishonor in my life toward that leader. But the moment that God healed me and allowed me to move into a position of honor, I began to honor that pastor with everything that I had. He still preached the same. He was still the same person. The difference wasn't him. The difference was me. And I positioned him. I repositioned him in the place of honor. And in doing so, guess what? God began to elevate me. I went from being the assistant youth pastor, then to having, he allowed me to have my own young adult ministry, which became the largest young adult ministry in Springfield, Missouri at that time. It rocked, come on. And then I went from that to taking over their worship ministry and becoming the worship pastor, the music pastor. God elevated me and honored, and, and, and what was the word? Elevated me. Because I honored. Are you with me? Some of you are trying to figure out, why doesn't pastor elevate me? How come I'm not being elevated? It's because you got dishonor in your life. I love you. Let me finish. Everybody say, honor God. Let's say, honor your leaders. But lastly, let me just finish with this. Honor each other. Honor one another. Let me just give you one, one final passage as we close. I preached for an hour. You guys still love me? You better. You have to. Well, listen to this. Romans 12.10. This is a very important passage, and many of you need to underline this. Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, I love that word, be devoted. It means to love deeply and dearly. That's what that word means. But the other word, that word honor one another above yourself, do you know what that word means? It's the word time, T-I-M-E. And in the Greek, this is wonderful, it means this, value or respect. You know what I love is the value system that exists within the church. That we value people, we gauge people's values by what they wear by how much they give, how much they don't give, how much they serve, how much they don't serve, how much they come to church, how much they don't come to church, and that's how we value. It's a valuing system. It's a weighing system within the church of who's more valuable than somebody else. Now, I thank God that the staff doesn't do that here, but I myself has been, I have myself been a victim to that dysfunction within the church. In this church, you know what's going to happen? The culture of this church there's going to be such a culture of honor that every person that walks through those doors are going to be so incredibly valued because they're valued by God. Because Christ Jesus set their value. The Bible says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Did you know in God giving his one and only son, God didn't take the lowest of lows in heaven. He took the best of heaven for you. He didn't just ask an angel, Hey, Gabriel, you want to go down to earth, pay the price? 
your value was set by the price of Jesus Christ. The highest price in heaven, the highest price in all of eternity set your value and your worth. Every person that walks through those doors is highly valued. We need to begin to treat each other like we're extremely valuable. Let's create a culture of honor in this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happened. Many of you will say, well, Pastor, I've been so dishonored. I'm hurting. I feel broken. I feel, I feel disrespected. Friends, stop allowing that. Please hear me. Stop allowing that to be the excuse that justifies your action and your offense. Can we deal with that tonight? Can we deal with the issues and the dysfunction of dishonor in our families, in our homes, in our marriages, with our children, on our jobs, in every area of our life, to be a part of the culture of honor, to create a culture of honor in your marriage? Husbands, stop dishonoring your wife. Wives, stop dishonoring your husbands. Sons, daughters, stop dishonoring your parents. Bible says, honor your parents, or this is right. Tonight, I want to pray for you. It's actually going to be a simple prayer because I truly believe that what God wants to establish in this house, what's going to be a blessing to this place, what's going to radically transform the marriages and the families of this house, is that if we can create value again, if we can reestablish value in this place again, create a culture of honor this place will grow miracles will come the same thing that happened to the house of Obadiah will happen to you when everybody hears is stand your feet
it a crippling dysfunction. It's a crippling dysfunction that happens in families and marriages. It happens in the church. It happens in every part of life. Dishonor is a crippling dysfunction. And if we can turn that dishonor Spirit dealing with me. I would have been destroyed by it. But tonight I want you to just lift your hands. All over this house, you just lift your hands to the Lord. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart? Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I'm just struggling with this. That's fine. Will you ask the Lord to maybe do a greater work in your life of honor? I believe we can all increase in this area of honor. Maybe you want to be like a David. I don't know who you are in this place tonight. Maybe you're a Michael or maybe you're a David. But whatever it is in your life, we want to believe that we can go to the next level of honoring God, honoring our authority, and honoring one another. So Lord, I ask at this. This incredible gift, this wonderful attribute in our life of honor, Lord, that it permeate this place. Lord, that you search every heart. Those who've been struggling through it, those, Lord God, in their life where they're fighting dishonor, those who have felt dishonored, Lord, that you do a work in them right now, that your blessings will come. Lord, let us be, let us be just like Obedina, where we honor your presence, God, that your glory come. Father, that you will be first and foremost in our life. Holy Spirit, we need you. Deal with these areas of our life. Come, Holy Spirit. Break off the chains that have bound us, Lord. Holy Spirit, that's what I want you. Some of you know. Some of you know that you need freedom in this area. Maybe it's offense, disrespect, dishonor that you've been struggling with. Hear me. We're not here to chastise you. But I believe that God wants to set you free. Maybe it's a child that's struggling with honor for their parents. Maybe you're struggling with honoring your boss. Whatever, whatever it may be, you're struggling with this aspect of dishonor. Now I know this is a hard message to respond to. And this is a hard call to respond to. But I believe if you respond to this, God will heal you and he'll set you free from this. That's you. You're struggling with this. On the count of three, I want you to step out from where you are. I want you to come to this altar. We're going to pray for you. God's going to come here. One, two, three. Come quickly. Come on. Come on. Tonight, God's going to do a word. I'm going to ask every pastor, every minister, I need your help. Every pastor, every minister, help this place. honoring God, you're dishonoring God and some of the things you do. Tonight God wants to set you free. Oh, there's a few more. I'm just going to wait for you. Maybe 
Maybe it's a struggle in your marriage. You're dishonoring your spouse. Come on, just come on up and struggle with these things. Will you answer this call? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to do a supernatural work?
want those who've been having there's there's tears i see huge tears and brokenness in relationships god wants to heal that right now if that's you just lift your hands right now if that's you there's tears and brokenness in relationships god wants to heal that right now in the name of jesus in the name of jesus lord
Take time to pray for one another. Why don't you join hands with somebody? Let's pray for one another. Father, I thank you, God, for the word tonight. I thank you, oh God, that you uh, brought Pastor Josh here to deliver this word, directed him to speak directly to our hearts tonight. We take this word, oh God, today we pray for the one we're joining hands with. Pray, God, that you'd help them to put that word into action this week. Oh, God, help us, oh, Lord, as we engage in this word more than just hearing the word express that we're choosing to put it into action, oh, God. Lord, I pray for this great group that's here. This week may be a week of honoring. May we see this word fulfilled in our life this week, oh, God. Lord, I pray your joy and your peace upon them. These great people of yours. I thank you, God. I give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. You're welcome to remain here and pray. Minister Mike is going to keep worshiping. Feel free to.